The St. Charles County Veterans Museum is a 501c3 nonprofit business. The museum would not exist without the donations of our generous community. Your donations ensure the museum continues to share and preserve the stories of our veterans. Would you like to be part of something special? To donate, visit sccvetsmuseum.org and click on Donate. The Dog Tag Podcast may at times cover sensitive topics including, but not limited to, suicide, abuse, violence, severe mental illness, sex, drugs, and alcohol addiction. You are advised to refrain from watching or listening to the Dog Tag Podcast if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, host, director, or guests shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or other reaction. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. The primary purpose of the Dog Tag Podcast is to educate. The views, information, or opinions expressed on the Dog Tag Podcast are solely the views of the individuals or guests involved and by no means represent absolute facts. The Dog Tag does not accept responsibility for their views or comments. Joe Rombolo's Medicare Made Easy works hard for our veterans. Did you know you may be eligible to enroll in a Medicare plan and keep your VA health and life benefits? We can offer a Medicare Advantage plan specifically designed for veterans and spouses who are entitled to VA health benefits. CHAMP VA or TRICARE for Life may offer benefits you might otherwise not receive. We can find a plan that best suits your needs. Call Joe at 314-753-0792. That's 314-753-0792. Welcome to the Dog Tag Podcast at the St. Charles County Veterans Museum. Today in studio, we have Colonel Ted Hodgson. Jim, go ahead and kick us off. Well, welcome, Ted, to the podcast. Um, Jason, I was just thinking that he, Ted is our first, second time you know, guest here. And uh, we're talking on off air before, and Ted, you've got such a storied, interesting career, having achieved the rank of Colonel you talked about some of the diplomats you had the fortune to meet. So I think there's a third visit in the cards. <laughs> but tonight we're going to kind of focus on on something we think is a very important to- topic and your work with America's Warrior Partnership. So if you could kind of shed a little light on what the partnership does. Will do. And, and maybe I need to give a just a brief little history. I was just thinking about that. Um, in 2020, uh, January 2020, I changed the focus of my company. And this was a result of reading a great book by Arthur Brooks. It's called From Strength to Strength. He's a social scientist, and he does um, these um, biweekly columns in Atlantic Magazine called The Art of Happiness, which is pretty amazing. So I used to start following him with that. He's a Harvard professor, and he actually teaches this in their business school, The Art of Happiness. Can you imagine that? It's a business class. Well, Uh, So anyway, I started really following him, and then he wrote this book called From Strength to Strength. And it's not about you transitioning as you get older and what are you going to do and you should be volunteering. He really goes into the social science part of it and more data-driven, even just the pure science part of it, of of your different strengths in your various lifetimes and your skills. And um, 
but one of the big messages from him is there's never a point where you just get to that final aha moment and then you can say, well, I reached it. I've met, I've, I'm at the summit. I've done everything I can and joy is me, right? And so I started thinking about that. Well, you know what? I think I have been trying to do that with my own company at the time. And I made a change in January 2020 to focus strictly on helping veteran organizations, small businesses, or any business that helps veterans and or the military. So I went down that path. And so I started working with um, a couple of my uh, clients. That's what they do. They, they work with veterans. They have particular veteran programs. Uh, one of my clients is uh, Care Orbit is the name of the company, and a couple other ones. And so I started doing this, and I, was, I just found a lot more joy to it and more, more uh, fulfillment to it. And in this conference, I, got, I was following all these different websites and things, and there's this America's Warrior Partnership. Well, I've become pretty cynical <laughs> after all the negotiations and traveling and working with different administrations and all that. Um, and so I always kind of approach these different organizations out there with a little bit of skepticism. And so I went to the conference in Atlanta, and it absolutely blew me away. I could not believe how great America's Warrior Partnership is a nonprofit, been in existence for nine years, formed out of the special ops community. In fact, down where I was at, my CINCOM, SOCOM life at the end there. And it was just um, just eye-opening for me. And one of the things was I saw how they were working with the VA and they were getting accepted by the VA and they were working with HUD and they were working with all the government organizations, but they brought in comprehensively everybody everything down to the county government organization there's an organization for all county governments i didn't know that existed well come to find out they're supposed to be or their goal is to have a veteran service officer signed to every county government so that was pretty fascinating so i met the individual given a presentation found out that supposedly we do not have one that's well it's not we definitely don't have one certified by them uh in the st louis county let alone I don't believe any of the other counties in the region. So that was kind of interesting. I started opening up my eyes. I'm going to all these other different presentations, and you just started realizing the impactful things they were starting to do. What really caught me, there was two different things. They sponsored this Operation Deep Dive, and, it's based, and it was first conducted with eight states. And what it was is they went back in and looked at the suicide rates from basically 2014 to 2018. And as a result of this study, they found out, and the VA has accepted this, that we are seriously underreporting the amount of suicides because you have the suicides and then you have the self-injury mortality accidents of undetermined, and that's where everything's fallen through the cracks. So you have certain um, coroners who, unless there's a suicide note left, they will not rule that as a suicide. Uh, they won't look at all the surrounding things like this guy could have, he's been, so he died of overdose. Well, that was accidental. Well, no, he did it on purpose, you know, as they started looking into this thing because one thing it seems to be pretty common is veterans do not leave suicide notes. And a lot of them expect that. 
And I think a lot of veterans don't, you know, there's a social stigma to that. I think there's a fear that if they do that, their spouses will lose their benefits. So there's all these things going on. So that was amazing to me. Now, they are sponsoring and they are funding with Wounded Warriors. They are going to do an, an extended Operation Deep Dive for the entire 50 states. And Duke University is conducting this. So this is a really big project. But the bottom line is, you know, we are reporting, what, 17 suicides a day. And actually the figures came back to be 44 suicides a day in that time period, which the VA has recognized as being accurate. Well, and quick comment, you're you're saying 17. I think what I've read just a few years back, the number was closer to 22, and it has come down a little bit. Obviously, it's not acceptable, any of those numbers, but the other number you just gave us obviously was much higher than that number too. Yes, and you're right. I was hearing 22 constantly also. And I think uh, the VA was only recognizing 17, I believe. So that's where their term. But but once they did this study and went back and analyzed all these uh, foreign, foreign former service members and and vets, they started really looking at. Well, wait a minute, you know. And I know my own son has told me of one of his his Marine Corps buddies, who's I believe is up in Wyoming or Montana. You know, after coming back, well, somehow he just ran his motorcycle head-on into a semi-truck on these very open mountain roads, right? Well, they all knew he committed suicide, but it didn't get reported that way. So these are the things that are going on and happening, and we're not, you know, we just haven't done a good job of really recognizing this problem. And it's scary. And we're realizing now one of the big populations that are – um, really starting to happen is the Vietnam veterans. So that has been uh, kind of eye-opening to me. The other big thing was my last day there, I, <clears throat> I sat in on a uh, a workshop, uh, well, a presentation. There was four ladies up at the table, and they're doing a presentation, and they're caregivers. And they're caregiving to their servant, their husbands, who had all lost arms and limbs and all that, and. They uh, <clears throat> so it was interesting, and I noticed this one lady. She was on her cell phone, and she was constantly on her cell phone while the presentation is going on. And she's at the head of the table, and I thought, well, that's strange. You know, that's kind of rude and all that. And when they finally got to her, she says, "I want to apologize, but I came here from Houston because I think this is so important. What what America's Warrior Partnership is doing, and I thought I need to be here and tell our story." And she goes, but right now my husband's sitting at home in Houston and he's contemplating suicide at this moment. He's wanting to do it. And I'm having to try to talk him down and I'm getting hold of all of our other support system, get over the house as soon as they can. And just, you talk about just, oh my God. I mean, it just hit me over the head. It was like, wow. And I was so impressed with America's Warrior Partnership that, yeah, we're going to be doing this at the high level you know, at the policy level and all that, but we're also all the way down to the people where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. And I thought another fascinating thing of that was, so one of the fastest growing suicide rates right now of subpopulation is the caretakers and the oldest children of that caretaker family. So the stress of taking care of their service member 
on both the husband or wife, whoever it may be, and that the children is just getting to be overwhelming. And that is something that I don't think anybody's been, I have not heard anybody talk about until I went to that conference. And I thought, wow, okay, so this is something we need to look into. So when I came out of there, I thought, well, I need to see, because I found out we don't have any program like this in St. Louis, and and we don't have, uh, there's no comprehensive integration in the St. Louis area, what I thought. So I thought, you know what, do my due diligence, I'm going to approach a lot of different veteran organizations. I'm going to go to a lot of the veteran service, the VFWs, the American Legion Post, the DAV, Disabled American Veterans, and I'm going to see what they think. Because maybe I'm just not noticing it. And I know I felt like I was very disenfranchised from most veteran organizations. Like, how's everybody finding out about this and that and that, you know? And so uh, as I was talking to all these different organizations, it was amazing. Every one of them but one, all but one, said, oh, we really need this. And they realized, they said, you know, we have our group and we're working with them, but we probably could handle more. But also, we should be knowing what the others are doing and we should be really doing this community integration program. And I thought, okay, well, it seems like we need it in the veteran community. And I know I personally have been working with the VA here, great folks and all, but there are problems. I mean, there's definite problems. I just helped a service member, or I should say a Vietnam veteran, and he was struggling with his disability, and but just was so frustrated with the VA, and it might not have been their fault, but this is his feelings, and that's what makes it, legitimizes it, and he didn't want to go back to them to look at this whole disability issue. Well, I was able to connect him with the DAV rep who, boy, they, they took care of him, they convinced him to know he was the right thing to do and this is the way to go. So, you know, you realize that there's these guys falling through and you'll hear of, you know, a suicide a while back in Manchester and uh, or Baldwin or Manchester, I believe it was, a, a young service member committed suicide. And you know it's out there. So I started talking to a couple of the, the community groups that they have funded so far. So they have one in the Panhandle of Florida. They have one in Indiana, of all things, Indianapolis area. They have one in West Texas, one in Alaska, and one on the Navajo Indian Reservation. I really got to talk to her quite a bit. Blew me away. I mean, you know, they have all this quote-unquote support at these reservations by the federal government. It's not happening. You know, the services aren't there, and their suicide rate is just amazingly high. So, um, and I thought, well, we need to look into this. And then I started thinking about it from a political point of view. And, you know, you realize how our region isn't very integrated anyway. And I'm not telling anybody that they don't know already. But, you know, we're, uh, we have a city government and a county government, which is unusual in a lot of places in the United States that just really don't work together. We have the state of Illinois right across the, the river there. We have the state of Missouri on the other side. We have all the other counties which have really grown and expanded in population that I'm not so sure they're working together on this either, right? And so I I started looking into this, and the more I started thinking about it, I, I finally decided, you know what, I need to contact America's Warrior Partnership. So I contacted them, and I, I told them what I told you guys. And I said, this is who I'm contacting. They said, well, we want you to reach out to these other organizations. Da, 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 and you need to take 
we have some special training program we need you to take. So I took that and I got certified by them. I'm not being paid by them or anything. This is all volunteer work right now. And I told them, I want to create this community integration program here in St. Louis because we need it more than anybody. And then when I started explaining that I did get a hold of the VA.gov, well, I should say the census numbers, uh, basically we have, it says St. Louis Metro dash Illinois counties, Metro Illinois counties. We have 79,000 veterans in that area. Now, I've heard other organizations here already say, no, we have a lot more than that. And what I can't find out, and I've just got to do my go back in, dig in, are they, are they counting just St. Louis County and the city? Are they counting just, you know, St. Clair County and Madison County? Are they even looking at, you know, St. Charles County, um, you know, Jefferson County? They might be doing that, but it looks like Franklin County, all these other counties are, are booming too as a region. And, and particularly in our case, our own VA services all of those organizations so or areas, counties and region and all that stuff. So it's like, well, okay, we need more. You know, it looks to me like we need it. So anyway, they said they've been helping me to get going on it and get started. And along the way, um, one little sidekick story to this one, um, I'm sitting there at a VFW, and the state commander, post commander, is visiting that particular post, and we're talking, and somebody says, well, um, Colonel, he says, are you registered with the VA? I said, oh, yeah, I'm sure I am. You know, when I got out at CINCOM Command in 2012, MacDill Air Force Base, um, I came here, and I went to Jefferson Barracks. I gave my health records and all that, I believe. He said, well, let me see your VA card. And I go, what? What do you mean VA card? He says, well, you should have a VA card if you're registered with the VA. Are you disabled? I said, oh, I have a 30% disabled disability at the time. And he's like, no, you're you're not even registered with the VA. And here I am, you know, kind of think I know this stuff a little bit. And here I'm not even registered. And um, most people don't realize it, but, you know, the VA funding is based on the amount of veterans that they're servicing that are in their region. So they basically roughly get $3,600 for every veteran registered with them. So when I go in and I went in register and I'm sitting there and this young man comes around the corner, he says, sir, what are you, um, what are you waiting for? I said, Oh, embarrassing story, but I've come to find out I'm not registered. I thought I was because I came in here, Jefferson barracks in 2012, but I'm not registered with the VA. He says, really? He says, well, did you get processed out by, I said, yeah, the DAV. And he says, Oh, well, I'm the DAV here in this area. And so he said, well, let me look at your stuff. Pulled me back in the office says, wow, you haven't even been evaluated properly for your disabilities, all this stuff. He says, I can't believe this. You didn't have this, 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 this. So anyway, we went back, and the whole process of getting registered in VA led me to being reevaluated on my own disabilities and all that stuff. And and it just makes me think, wow, how many of us are out there? You know, And it could be a really big number that we're just not aware of because I think a lot of people uh, like me – in my particular case, you know, I, I retired as a Fulberg colonel, and I had TRICARE for my medical care, and I didn't want to burden the VA system. It wasn't that I was afraid of the VA system or anything, but I knew they had problems, and I thought, well, the last thing I need to do is have somebody like me who I think is somewhat functioning <laughs> and, you know, quit just seeing everybody there, so I'm not going to get involved in it. I'm not going to get part of that organization. And... um but then you realize, wait a minute, I didn't even realize I was actually 
hurting other veterans by not being registered. So if there's any veterans out there, please, and you've never registered yet, even if you're not getting your medical care from them, it's important that we go do that. And I, I just can't emphasize that enough. So this all started eye-opening to me. And then I started, we, so we have these um, monthly training sessions with America's Warrior Partnership. And we talk about multiple subjects each month, different different key learning points. But also uh, started working with them on how can we integrate this program in our region. And uh, unfortunately, I was a, a day late and a dollar short. Uh, they just had funding done by a major bank corporation to fund eight urban areas in America, Chicago, L.A., I believe, uh, Houston, some of the really major ones because they felt there was a need to go down that path. Well, th- this organization is impressive. I mean, they have a very set process and very s- good steps, and they really hold you accountable to make sure you're just another, not another organization and maybe not contributing as good as you can. And they also have a sincere um, vested interest that you do the best you can. So one of the things that they do before they ever award a community integration program, um, they want to com- they want to conduct a community analysis of the program. So I told them what I've seen so far, but that's a very that's just me, right? They'll come in with this with this team that will actually go in and look at. Um, they'll do an online on-site analysis of resources, demographics, stakeholder feedback. Feasibility study to determine the need, community assessment ranking, the community's ability to support veterans. They'll look at every every um, government veteran organization, how well is it doing, and regular veteran organizations, program impact evaluation, and they'll, they'll just really analyze and determine you do need it or you don't need it. So that's what I'm really strongly working on right now is to get this community analysis program going it costs roughly $25,000. So I'm in the process of, of reaching out to different uh, organizations that might be willing to help us sponsor this and get it started. I'm not even sure we need the full 25000 I just feel like probably if we could show them a good faith of, well, we already raised $10,000 towards this because the community in this region feels it's it's needed, I think that will be enough to, to kickstart the Wounded Warriors or not Wounded Warriors, but the whole organization. And they're locked in with the Wounded Warriors. I should everybody know that's one of their big sponsors, big funders, and um, just ties in well with them. Um, another example of something that really falls through the cracks a lot of time, and I got to sit on their workshop, was this this gentleman has now created a transition program. So all of us soldiers are getting out, and airmen and Marines and Coast Guard, and we get we either retire or a lot of us just transition out and we go back into our community. Well, you know, all the bases now have these transition programs, but they're based on usually where you're at. You know, they'll probably have a workshop. I know they did down at CENCOM Command. These are local jobs that you could get. These are th- resources. These are universities. These are this, that. But... Let's say you you um, you you know you did your four years or maybe you did eight years and you got out of Fort Hood. Well, all of a sudden you're leaving and you did the transition program, but you're still going back into St. Louis, St. Louis County, Jefferson County, whatever, and 
you know nobody. You've been dropped off again, and you absolutely have no connectivity at all at this moment. Because just like me, I kind of got out all the way down to Florida, came up here, and, and I just thought on my own, well, I think I should go over to Jefferson Berries. I live nearby there and give them my medical stuff, and I just sort of assumed <laughs> everything was taken care of. But you realize that, wow, we are not really helping these kids to transition. And, and when I say kids, I mean, let's face it, a lot of them are young. They've all been deployed multiple times. So they all have, well, hard, maybe issues too hard of a word, but they have seen something. You know, they've seen trauma. Their buddies have seen trauma. Just going over there constantly is a wear and tear on your body. It's stressful when you're just going out and you're out and about. And and so I think, um, I know, I don't think, that's one of the things I've been working a little bit with this organization, trying to, how can we set up that program here? And this, this gentleman is actually creating this for, wants to create this for right now, just all the Army bases. He's starting off, and but try to create this program that, you can connect to somebody in every city or every region at least so you're not just dumped and it's like, well, what now? And, you know, we look at it and we think, well, the VFW should be there or, the you know. Uh, but the problem is what I see, just my personal opinion, the VFW is a great organization, but, you know, a lot of young guys are probably turned off by the smoky bar scenario. I mean, let's just be realistic about it, you know. And and also, when you walk in, I mean, I've been visiting, what, 15 so far, American Legion and VFWs, and it is. It's an older crowd, you know, and it's hard for these young kids to relate to that. Well, where are they going to go to next then? You know, I know there's um, there's an organization here starting up, and I haven't even had a chance to reach out to them yet. The Iraqi Afghan, um, I think vets organization. I think it's a fairly new thing out there, and I'm hearing rumors about them. So obviously, if anybody's ever listened, I'd love to talk to them. But you know, hanging out with these Vietnam War vets, there's approximately thirty four thousand of them in that census data in this region, which is high. So when I went back and told America's Warrior Partnership how many veterans that that report was, and I said, I think that's undercounting because we're really not counting all the counties and all that, I'm sure. And they were like, oh, we did not realize that about the St. Louis region. They were really amazed at the amount of Vietnam veterans that came out of this region. That is my understanding for our population base we probably had a higher participation rate than a lot of other communities in America. So it'd be, I would love to, I might try to do that from a research, love to go down that path and see what it is, right, and where are we at. So, uh, but I think um, this just shows you the, the whole reason why America's Warrior Partnership, I mean, their whole thing is we don't try to do your job. You know, we build a veteran-friendly communities, engaging uh, veterans from all walks of life, both to offer support and opportunities to give back. And and then from city to city and town to town across America, there there's no one organization in place to serve the warriors who served us so bravely and so well. And that's the point. You know, it's that way from city to city and town to town. There's no one organization out there. And that's what they hope to fill that gap. And, um, 
they're a solution based organization. Are they uh, the whole thing about them is they kind of got this little four piece pie, and it's a uh, community integration. The warrior community integration is an all out intervention. This program is a force multiplier to fill in the gaps that exist between the various different organizations to link the nonprofits with more warriors who need help. So no one's being left behind. Advocacy. They want to become is the national advocate for warriors and those who serve them. And and uh, Jim Lorraine is the president, and you might have seen him, especially during the holidays. He was on Jim, he was on Fox quite a few times for different interviews. So they're getting more and more um, um, press notice, I would say, out of everybody. Certainly wounded warriors have done that. Um, Ted, they, are, are, yes. are you saying that these are, you know, the, the organization is in other communities, other states? Does that kind of exempt anybody from our area from receiving help? No, it just, um, you know, they have a very slow, it's not slow, but they have a very methodical process that they go through before they create these organizations. They didn't want to come across as one of those veteran organizations that isn't really pulling its weight and doing its job. So that's why they, um, they, they had the funding for the Navajo Reservation and for Alaska because it was just blatantly obvious with those two places that it wasn't happening. You know, the care for the veterans is just horrible for both those communities. Come to find out, West Texas is the same way. You know, it's just so, as I don't know if anybody, we've all probably been through West Texas, right? You know, few towns and, you know, a couple of big things, but there's a lot of veterans out there, right, that's left behind. So they have really kind of put this whole thing together. And the big thing is about advocating for the veterans, collaborating all the, the government services, the VA, the HUD, the Health and Human Services, with all the nonprofit veteran organizations out there and making sure they are working together and they're collaborating. Educate the public. You know, we need to let the public know um, the, the, the suicide and the self-induced mortality rate is much higher than what we realize. Uh, you know, this problem hasn't really gone down as much as we thought, and we do have a problem. And, and even if we're not... Um, Let's say the suicide rate isn't that high, or we make progress on that. There are still so many veterans have gone through so much stuff that they're struggling, and they're not being very functional in 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 our in our community. I just got approached a few days ago. Um, I won't give the name or anything, but a mother who's totally frustrated with her forty six year old son, who after he came back from Iraq now is just not functioning at all. Doesn't work, doesn't do anything, sits at home. She was trying to care, take her mile. She was just paying for everything, everything and realized it wasn't working. So now I'm working on, you know, let's 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 go back to the VA. Let's get the and you know, I don't think he was ruled with any PTSD at the time and all that, but there's still manifestations that probably came out of that duty. You know, cuz he definitely was in Iraq and he was in Basra. Basra was not the easiest place to be there for a while. So um you can see that happening, and also, uh, I actually uh, connected them to uh, connected her to another organization that does a lot of um, care management for for um, when you're when you're older and you're trying to take care of your family members, your father, your mother, whatever, and you're working full time. You know, it's hard for you to get to the doctor's appointments, things like. Well, that's what this organization does. Or if you have a disabled child, or you have a non functioning adult at home. 
they help do that. So I link them up together. So these are the kind of things I think that we need to be doing and putting it together. And um, the collective impact of the organization already in just their last few years is 58, almost 59,000 warriors have already been served because once you do something for them, there's a very distinctive um, database we have to put them into. And we have to make sure the database is linked to the VA, all this stuff. So it is a really good system of pretty much holding everybody accountable, making sure, yeah, you are getting to the right place, right time. Well, it sounds like they're, you know, the, the main focus is, like you said, preventing suicide, but also adding quality of life for people that, you know, are struggling to uh, effectively live in, in, in a civilian world versus where they were before. So, what type of functionality do they do? You mentioned a couple of things, but what do they do to um, add quality of life for these veterans? So one of the things that they really talk about is the community part of it. They build relationship with veterans, their families, caregivers, and the communities in which they live. And that's been a big thing that they've been really heavily involved with the caregivers. <clears throat> so um, what they feel is most of the time, there is a lot of resources in every community for the veterans, but nobody's really connecting them and communicating with them. So that's the big piece that they try to take up, you know, the, this individual approach. I mean, one of the things in my training was do not think that you're going to take a young veteran and you're going to basically drop him off at the VA and you're going to walk away. Our job is to stay with them through everything stay in contact from then on. You know, let's say we get them involved in the mission continues or the Kaufman fund or something like that. Well, you're not going to just drop them off there. You're going to have constant contact and see where they're evolving with those organizations. Do they reach out, need to reach out to another veteran organization too, or do they need to get, um, they have a huge national base of resources that have just been coming on board with them for the last year or two that you can literally say, okay, I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do with this young person. Help me. And they'll, they'll bring those resources into you. And so um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good thing how they do that. Ted, you touched on one thing that I, I don't think the public knows about a little bit, you know, um, if you could spend just a few minutes on it. We don't realize that the caretaker the siblings, the sons and daughters' suicide rates are much higher for the veterans too. Yes, and that is <clears throat> eye-opening to me, and that was a revelation at our at the conference. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go with that. You know, who's going to be the one to pick that up? Because, you know, the VA has been, um, has several programs out there trying to, reach out to the caregivers and support them. Um, but all I heard, all I know is what I heard at the table. And I have four, four, four women trying to support their husbands and it didn't sound like it was happening very well. So I think that's going to be, that might be the next big effort on our part. And I don't mean America's warrior partnership perhaps, but perhaps on my part, all of our parts, right. That we need to be starting to reach out to these care providers, and does, do we even know anybody here in the St. Louis area? I mean, I haven't found anybody that says they do that. 
I don't even know anybody that says they have a, a number count of how many veterans are being taken care of at home by a home care provider. So that, you know, that's something we got to find out. And I think that's part of what this would, this organization does. Um, certainly that's probably something that I should just be doing on my own also to find out because that's a great point. We, we need to know that, you know, and who is doing that right now? It sounds like there's a big umbrella uh, covering what a caretaker is. I mean, you can have someone that's taking care of them medically uh, in a situation like you were just mentioning a minute ago where you have um, somebody who may be um, mostly able-bodied but not motivated or not have, don't have a sense of belonging, a sense of community. And so you, you have different things that caretakers are doing. So you have such a, a wide umbrella that you're, you're going to need a network of people to approach those caretakers in an each unique way. Uh, that is a great point. I mean, I'm, you know, as you're asking these questions, these are great questions. I hadn't really thought of in depth enough yet. But, you know, they may they were getting financial support, the caregivers. And I'm sure, you know, the VA is giving instruction, things like this. But you think about it, you know, they're doing everything from – Basically, being that that alcoholic veteran or drug dependent veteran, helping them cope with this, which they weren't trained to do, and they didn't sign up for this job when they were a spouse, and they saw their husband or wife head off to to um, Iraq or Afghanistan and come home missing all their limbs, and so and those children didn't sign up for this either, and you know something that. I didn't hear in that workshop that I attended was, well, is the VA helping the caregivers and their families? And I don't even know if there is anybody particularly that's, that's helping that. So if anybody happens to be listening, they know, please contact us back. But um, I think that's something I definitely need to be doing a little bit better job of finding out, well, what organization is out there doing that? And, you know, Wounded Warriors does a lot of great stuff too. And that's a great thing. America's Warrior Partnership says we do not take over Anybody else's job. Everybody's doing great jobs. We're just help to pull you guys together. You're like the community connector. The community connector. And in this case, you know, but sometimes you got to find out, well, is there even that service being provided? Because right now I know for sure there's no transition service being provided in our region. Um, but two, now you got me really worried. Is there... Oh my gosh! This, I'm I'm going to write notes as I get down here. Is there an organization that's help helping our care providers right now, the veterans? And I, you know, you kind of, you know, once again, you make a big mistake of the old uh, assume, and uh, you know, we're thinking, well, I guess the VA is doing that, but is that really true? And like I said, I've reached out, and I've already been in contact with a couple people that no, I know that's not happening. I know another veteran that I am struggling to get through to, and this could be a perfectly good example. His wife approached me through another situation and and said he is waking up on the floor every morning. He has these seizures and all that stuff, but he had such a bad experience with the VA, he doesn't want to go back to them. So she can't get a hold of the VA. So I'm really trying to either I need to try to go talk to him coffee or something and try to intervene or get her you know can we get her through this process and get him into somebody else that certainly i'm not the expert in this but get them to the right place to get that support 
We've been uh, fortunate to have a good rapport with the Blue Star Mothers, Gateway Blue Star Mothers, which I I kind of tease people a lot. You know, the the man in the house, the father figure, oh, he'll be fine, you know. And then you got your mother that's just every breath she takes is full of worry. And, oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, you want to talk to the mothers. If you, you need to talk to the mothers if you want to get the real scoop on how it's going. That's a great point. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, we kind of slough it off as, uh, oh, they'll be fine. And, you know, but it's, uh, you know, life as a mother, a mother that has a serviceman, a son or daughter, that's that's a tough life. Yeah. And, you know, I think another area is that whole reserve National Guard area. You know, they get deployed and the spouses aren't in that area. You know, when I first got activated, I was activated as a reservist that first year. After that, then they, you know, things change. But, um, well, my spouse stayed back here in St. Louis because I was going to CENTCOM command and she was a school teacher already. So she was on her own. Nobody was ever reaching out to her on what the, even when I was at transcom and I got activated on nine 11, nobody was really reaching back to her because, you know, she wasn't at the base. She wasn't living at the base. She wasn't in the officer wives club or anything like that, you know, which is fine, but then there are issues that come up, obviously, you know, yeah. and then we all pay a price later for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that network of, of community is, is highly important, and being able to find a way to impact St. Louis in a way that, and when I say St. Louis, greater St. Louis, St. Charles County, Jefferson County, all the, all those areas, um, with the number of veterans we have is extremely important, so I'm so glad that you are uh, doing this work right now, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing more about the outcome or the continued work that uh, is bringing uh, the community together, the community of support together yes. uh, that the veterans have. You know, the the competition sometimes can be kind of uh, volatile, and so we're looking. It sounds like what you guys are looking to do is bring everybody together to be able to meet each need. Uh, whatever that need is, and less competition, more uh, collaboration. Definitely more collaboration. Ted, if uh, if somebody's interested in helping you in this project, how would they get a hold of you? Yes, they could uh, either call me at 314-221-2096, or my email address is ted at newmarketconnect.org. And one thing I haven't done yet is taking the time to change the name of my organization, probably. But New Market Connect, all one word, dot org. Um, please feel free to reach out to me. And um, when you attend these events, I'm trying to get to all these different little events that are out there. And, Colonel, just uh, leave us with one more thought. If you have uh, anything else you want to share with the um, uh, people listening today before we sign off. I The one thought is if you go to an event, a veteran event, I think all you have to do, I know the last one I went to, I visited 10 different veteran organizations at that event, and you can clearly see all great organizations are all helping all that stuff. But is anybody really integrating and collaborating and, and working together on a lot of things? And it doesn't appear to be. Well, it's been our pleasure to have you in uh, studio today. Uh Jim, is there anything, I didn't even ask you, Jim, is there anything else you wanted to say before we sign off? No, I, I, I guess the last thing I'd add, Ted, is I, it sounds like you're a one-man band of sorts here, but looking into the crystal ball, do you see this happening sometime soon? 
Yes, I we really think we can get it done by the end of the year, get the community analysis started. And then I'm hoping by the following year we can begin the program. Um, and, you know, it's it's a very, even when you first start out, it's a very lean organization. There will only be two people even working in the organization at first. I mean, they're really good about controlling all that. But that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping, and that's what I'm aiming for, and I think we can do it. Well, it's a good thing you're a young man still. <laughs> oh, and obviously he needs classes, correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, Colonel Ted Hodgson, it's been our pleasure to have you in studio. And these have been your hosts, Jason Galvin and Jim Higgins. We're going to go ahead and sign off of the Dog Tag Podcast from the St. Charles County Veterans Museum. The Dog Tag is brought to you by the St. Charles County Veterans Museum. The museum is a 501c3 nonprofit business. Do you like our podcast? With your support, we'll continue to bring you great programming. If you'd like to donate, go to sccvetsmuseum.org and click on Donate. This podcast is sponsored by the Renee S. Real Estate Agency, located here in O'Fallon, Missouri. She is licensed in Missouri and Illinois and focuses on your personal and commercial insurance needs. Her office is located at 2764 Highway K, O'Fallon, Missouri, 63368. She can be reached at 636-379-9556 or by email at reneesry at allstate.com, R-E-N-E-E-E-S-S-A-R-Y at allstate.com. If you are shopping for insurance and want an active agent that will educate and advise you on the coverage you need, reach out to her.